the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDio. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Cast, episode number 160. I am your host, Ed, and today I am joined by... This is Donovan. And I am Josh Paul. And we're going to be coming covering all this week's news, and we're going to be reviewing Convergence, Shadow of the Bat number 2, and Convergence, Batman and Robin in 2, and be covering a good amount of books in the spotlight section. But before we get on to that, let's start with our comic news. What's going down? There's really only two things that I that I got out there. One was on May 14th, DC Comics announced that they would be giving uh, a lot of giveaway items through your local comics retailer in June. Um, there's a lot of items covering lots of DC Comics, but here's the Batman-themed items that are going to be available. There's going to be a Batmite tattoo, a Batman Beyond mask, a Justice League vs. Darkseid poster, a Gotham Academy crest sticker, a Harley Quinn mask, a Robo Batman schematic, Black Canary concert poster, Justice League of America poster, uh, Damian Wayne mask, uh, Dick Grayson spiral ID card, a We Are Robin tattoo, and a Batgirl mask. So if you are out at your retailers, they will all get a limited supply of these in June, and you can feel free to pick them up. Then the only other piece of news we have, guys, is May 15th, DC announces the Bombshell series. Uh, starting in July, DC Comics Bombshells will join DC as a digital first uh, you know, weekly release. Um, and then on August 12th, they will start reprinting them in print. Um, the series will be written by Marco Benet and art by Marquette Savage. The first issue will reintroduce the bombshell versions of Batwoman, Wonder Woman, and Supergirl that were previously variant covers, and they will be fighting along the front lines in World War II. Uh, the full line of bombshells characters that we saw in, in the statues and on the covers will be introduced as the story unfolds in the month ahead. And as part of the kickoff for this, the variant theme for August, as we know DC loves to do their monthly variant themes, is going to be the bombshells again, which they were there about a year ago. So I was about to say, yeah, no, I was like, this isn't the first time they did that. No, this is this is the bombshells again. Apparently, the uh, the first time that the sales were were really high and everyone liked it, and they made a statue line out of it. So we're going to be getting a comic book. Um, what are you guys thinking about this? You gonna are you guys gonna be grabbing this series or not? No, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be grabbing it because my girlfriend she loves the bombshells and. She's a specifically a Wonder Woman fan, so that, that's the way I'm going to get my girlfriend started with comics, and we can have that little bit of a bond. Hey, anytime you can find the uh, appropriate gateway drug for those in your life, uh, it's good to do it. Uh, I will probably grab this and trade, uh, just because I really like the art on it. But that is all the news we have for these two weeks. And we're going to go straight over to comic reviews, and the first one we're going to do is Convergence, Batman and Robin, number two. Convergence Batman and Robin number two. This book was written by Ron Mars and was penciled by Denise Cowan and is entitled Fathers and Sons. We uh, spin right out of uh, Convergence uh, Batman and Robin number one uh, with Batman saying that we're not going to fight just because someone named Telus demands it. And then all of a sudden a bunch of 
dolls start attacking them. Um, Batman, Robin, Red Hood, Scarlet are all together fighting these dolls. And the extremists, which unfortunately I don't know the names of each of these characters, and there wasn't a backup in this issue explaining who they were. Uh, so basically all I can really tell you is it's pandemonium. Batman's fighting one, Robin's fighting another, Scarlet's fighting one, Red Hood's fighting another, etc., etc. The art is really good, actually, even though it could be, uh, you know, confusing at times. With that being said, there's a lot of banter between the Red Hood and uh, Damien that is very much in character. One thing that I found odd is uh, the villain with the... I, I believe it's a woman was able to rip off Red Hood's mask. Obviously, Mars forgot that it's a helmet, not a, a right. Mask. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the end, uh, Batman, Robin, the Red Hood—they all come together and they win. And they decide that, especially between Batman and Red Hood, that they need to put their differences aside in order to take on the bigger threat of Telos. And whatever comes next. Um, with that being said, uh, there was a really interesting moment where uh, Red Hood and Damien worked together. And there, there's this piece of dialogue that, that is, did he teach you the spring apero combination? If I set it up and then Damien says, I can knock it down. What a beautiful, beautiful, you know, uh, homage to some of the great creators that have come before us. With, at the end of the issue, uh, Jason and Damien take a tumble off of a, of a building, and Batman ends up catching them midair. He asks if either of them hurt. They're, they're fine. Even Damien and even uh, Jason shake it out, and they all come together. Uh, it actually ends um, with Batman talking to Superman about being fathers, and uh, because over in Superman in Convergence, he just had a son with Lois. They were saying that just because we were orphans, you know, doesn't mean that we're going to be bad fathers. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I thought that was funny. <laughs> and uh, basically it ends with uh, Clark and Superman saying, whatever happens, take care of yourself. And that's how the issue ends. I kind of felt that this issue was very 70s-esque in the way that it was uh, it was portrayed. What do you what do you guys think? I, I think that was probably on on purpose was my thought. Um, but yeah, this seemed very. Um, How would you characterize 70s-esque? Are you are you talking about the, the writing style of Batman in the 70s or like it was? In yeah, the, 70s? The, the writing style. It wasn't quite dark, broody, but it was Batman that still you know had the plan and had the had the uh, the fortitude to uh, you know to win. It reminds me of the Batman in that issue where Joker had uh, you know pu- pushed the guy into the tank uh, with the shark and whatnot. And he, Batman even had a sense of humor at the end of that issue when he caught up to Joker and whatnot. You know, it, it just had that kind of uh, of riding style to me. And I mean, when you bring in a, a spring apero combination like. It, it it tells me that Ron Mars really wanted to write a love letter to this era of Batman dating all the way back to the 70s. 
Yeah, I think you're probably right. To be honest with you, I mean, one, the even the real, even the, the interactions we see between uh, Jason Todd and Damien in this issue aren't so awful. Um, the character, right? Not as awful as you would think. No, not as awful as you as you would think they would be. Um, or even the way that they kind of interact at the beginning of the New Fifty Two before Jason kind of got lightened up a little bit. Uh, the whole issue does feel a little lighter, um, and I, I think that a lot of the writers, not just in the Batman titles, but in the other titles in Convergence have kind of used this opportunity to show us characters that don't have to be grim dark all the time. Um, if One of the biggest complaints I would have about New 52 modern comics, everyone look at it, is I understand the need and, and the want for the darker, grimmer stories, but it feels like some of the characters act dark all the time. Even characters like Batman, which isn't hasn't always been this miserable SOB that he's is portrayed at sometimes. That's been a complaint for like the DC Comics for a long time now. Like I mean, like I would say... I would say I would argue even before the new, like around that memory born era, like about two thousand, right, somewhere around there. I would, I would say like after like uh, Infinite, like around the time that the Dio got in the, in the game, like around yeah. Infinite Crisis, I would say that. Yeah, I think that's probably the right time frame. So I do think that these characters do feel a little lighter than normal, and if you want to reflect that by things seventies, yeah, I, I can see where. This is a much more lighter, easier iteration, especially of, of characters like Jason Todd and Anna Damian. And I mean, with that being said, like even though that's fun, it, it again, it doesn't really fit the timeline because Jason was blowing away criminals, and he was in Arkham Asylum, and you know, Batman was 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 haunted by this, and you know, the whole Under the Red Hood story where. That, that fight scene, even in the animated version, was so intense. And, like, I was hoping we were going to get a resolution to that. But instead we got this, which in the end was a fun story. But I think the timeline difference is something to look at here. Remember in Batman Convergence, Convergence, Batman and Robin number one, that's the first time Batman sees Jason Todd alive. You know, so... Wait, what? Well, really? It, well, remember when we reviewed Convergence, Batman and Robin number one, that's when... No. Jason, Right. That's not. That's I'm not. Bringing, true. I don't, he I don't met think him that's in true. Arkham Asylum. Yeah, did he? Okay. Uh, there was a yeah in the Batman Robin title like before it ended. Uh, pre no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not saying that in the real Batman Robin. I'm saying in Convergence. Because remember last week in Convergence Batman or not last week last month when we did Convergence Batman and Robin number one. It was. But he, but it was but the first time you seen Jason Todd, right? No, no, no. It no, was no. the first time that he knew that he was there under the dome. I think. If no. if if not, this is definitely okay. an alternate timeline. Yeah, my thought was that I thought this was an alternate timeline. To be honest with you, because, I, okay. Because I think they're they're operating on the idea that like, okay, after after the uh, post crisis ended and the new fifty two came on, what what happened to these guys? Oh, I guess a gigantic cup came over their cities, and that's kind of the stories there. Yeah, I guess which, that's true. Which did you? One thing I have to kind of uh, you know touch upon, which nobody else has, is how in Future's End. Did the entire New 52 people see Brainiac scooping up their city and, like, were able to stop him. But all these other cities are, like, oblivious to why they're they're under domes and whatnot. You know, it's just like, what? Uh, <laughs> comics. But that, that, that's an argument for another time. <laughs> um, I kind of like this. I, I think that, like, I, I, don't, I, I, I might be reading your uh, the two U's, uh perspectives incorrectly but I, I like the kind of like positive nature that this ends on because to, to me the way i'm reading these stories and the way that like they've been described before the issues came out is that these are sort of like conclusions to the post-crisis world uh sort of and like in in so far as we're seeing it that way i like the idea that 
Batman's family is whole again. You know, I've, I've just about gotten over Jason Todd being alive again. It's been 10 years. I probably should. Well, I, I like the fact, like, he, he's against Damien, who's, who was, like, you know, the second angsty Robin. And they're both, uh-huh. like, you know, acting accordance to Batman. So I think that that's a good book into that, those iterations of those characters. quite. And I like the scene with Superman at the end. You know, the, the end of this, the end panel reminds me a lot of Batman 719, where they were uh, all, you know, on a rope line. And it said, you know, never the end. Uh, so yeah. it was a good homage to that. Uh, I, I think we've gotten it in a nutshell uh, when it comes to how this issue was. I mean, there were some in- inconsistencies with, you know, obviously being able to rip off Damien, uh, I'm sorry, Jason's mask when it's supposed to be a helmet. But uh, I think all the betrayals were good and whatnot. So I think we can go ahead and give it a... Uh, our uh, Batarangs, if you'd like. All right, yeah, well, let's give it our reviews. Uh, Batman and Robin was reviewed by Ryan on the website, which gave it two and a half out of five Batarangs. Uh, I am going to give it uh, three out of five Batarangs. And you guys? I, I, I liked it. I, I'll give it four out of five Batarangs. I thought that was a solid issue. I'll give it three out of five Batarangs myself. And that will give it a grand total of three and a half out of five Batarangs. Now let's go to the next issue, Convergence, Shadow of the Bat, number two. Convergence, Batman, Shadow of the Bat, Numero Dos, uh, Home as a Sailor, written by Larry Hama, illustrated by Rick Leonardi and not uh, Philip Tan, inked by Dan Green. This issue, I, I can't possibly get too detailed into it because this is a 90s comic through and through. This issue is essentially Batman and Jean-Paul Valley, incorrectly titled Azrael throughout this comic, versus the Wildstorm team Wetworks. Uh, a group of characters of whom I have no clue what their deal is. I, I imagine there's some sort of mercenary group. They don't act very heroic throughout this, so I hope that like I'm not uh, misattributing that. And if I am, please you know complain in the comments. Or Dustin can jump in and tell me how wrong I am. But essentially, the battle between uh, the two Batmen and what works underneath the dome kind of ends up being at some sort of a. Uh, it is is at first it's on top of like an air base. And it ends up being in some sort of like ship, where uh, you know there are people it's an still. Aircraft carrier. Thank you, aircraft carrier. And there are people still under the dome, and they're basically Batman and Azrael are fighting in the Wetworks city, so they're fighting to win. But obviously, if they win, that city will be destroyed. But Batman resigns. No, here's what we're going to do: if we stop fighting, join forces, and combat the entity that's forcing us to fight, we can try to save both cities. He says, I'm not going to allow anybody to die because my name is Batman. And um, Azrael is... He, he kind of goes along, goes along with that. Um, along the way, they meet uh, a woman and her son to uh, help them because because they've been living around that aircraft for a little bit under the dome. Uh, Wetworks are completely cool with killing Batman and winning the fight so they can save their city. Um, and essentially, it's a lot of... Uh, to, to, to borrow a phrase, punchy, punchy, run, run, where uh, Batman <laughs> and Hasbats beat them up, but they don't kill anybody, and they get the upper hands. And Batman like, takes on four at a time, which is pretty awesome. And um, they all agree to uh, stop the uh, Telos from, you know, having waging these these uh, battle world chain uh, fights. But uh, Asbat says, actually, I'm not going to join you. I'm going to stay in the city and, and help defend it until the fighting is over. I came to fight. I, I came to fight to destroy this place. Now I'm committing myself to saving it. 
That man says, ah, I have no words. But the boy says, I do, hero! And that's the end of that. Um, what did you guys think about this issue, just generally speaking? Generally speaking, what did I think about this issue? I think that, oh boy, um, it's nice to see the Azrael costume still, um, you know, but I think the rest of this issue is, is, um, it's kind of a bit of a, bit of a mess for me. Um, I'm not really sure 100% what is, what, what is going on. The problem is the characters that we're, we're using here, mm. I, I'm not familiar, familiar with them at all. The adversary characters, you know, uh, the right. Wetworks team, I'm really not familiar with them. I mean, I've seen them in passing, but I don't know. For me, this just seemed like an issue that the first issue I really liked the setup of, of, of getting to see, you know, John Paul Valley and, and Bruce work together, even though it didn't really make sense that they were working together. I liked the setup of it, but this one just kind of, kind of fell flat for me. If the phrase, I say in my review on the site, if the phrase, and now for something completely different, if it ever came into into play mm-hmm. perfectly, it would be this issue compared to the issue that came before it. You know, the reality shift that puts the Batman against the Wetworks crew on the aircraft carrier, not very much happens. I and mean, it's very akin to, like, a Scooby-Doo chase, you know, like... They're running around on this air carrier, aircraft carrier, and in some in some cases, the dialogue is like explaining what the character is doing. <laughs> that's a lot from the last issue. They did that too in the last issue. Like there's there's so much dialogue, and it, it almost you know with Batman and Israel, it it reminds me of like a buddy cop movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like Tango and Cash or like Lethal Weapon, and like there's at one point. Asriel grabs a gun and Batman's like, you know how I feel about guns? And he's like, well, you know how I like to push your buttons? And then, <laughs> so out of character. And, and, and then, like, he picks up the gun and he says, the selector switch is on A. I hope that stands for annihilation. At that point, <laughs> at that point, I literally slammed my head against the wall I was, I was leaning against. Uh-oh. And, and then I, I took a minute, put the book down, and looked up Larry Hama's bibliography, <laughs> and it turns out that he's most famous for writing G.I. Joe oh, and yeah. Spider-Man. And that that's where this made in the most entire sense. You know, it was a gross mistake putting him on this book with Batman and Asriel, because it's clear he's probably never actually read Nightfall, and he simply doesn't understand the character of Ezreal, and he doesn't understand that we wanted to see the aspects of the madness that he suffered through when he relinquished the, the mantle back to Bruce in Night's End. There was so much there to play with, and it, so much was neglected. And, uh, you know... I was I was almost half expecting like at the end with that you know I have one word a hero that we were gonna get like some knowing is half the battle like metaphor or something like that you know executive producer you know Joe Barbera and <laughs> right it, it does so it, it did seem like a like a public service announcement at the end didn't it I mean it was man, it was brutal cheesy as hell and, and <laughs> okay. one more one more thing is if. One glaring, glaring inconsistency is the entire reason that Asriel was in Metropolis was because of Zero Hour. He said that he wanted to be with all the heroes, and yet he comes to this city, and instead of joining all the other heroes against Telos, he wants to stay in that city? Like, 
Pick a freaking plot point, my friend. Seriously. Wait, wait, wait. Like, like, I, I actually just thought about that, because, like, how does this take place during Zero Hour when, A, he was an Azrael by that, he was a homeless loser, and, B, weren't they, like, fighting, like, what's his, what's his, what's his nuts? Um, not, well, that, at the end, but, like, the, like, the dude in, like, the purple cape and the red face, and, like, he was killing the JS. <laughs> Go read Zero Hour. But, like, there's no, there's no <laughs> interest to in that. Like, like, there's, like, you would not know there's, that this place t- takes place during Zero Hour unless, like, you know, the blurb on the comic, the last issue says so. No, it, it, it's not definable as a time period, and the whole this whole issue just seems. I don't know. This is. I'm not trying to be mean, but I don't know when it happens. Right? I'm not. I mean, well, I, I know when it's supposed to happen, but it doesn't. I remember it's, it's supposed to be like right after zero hour. If you go back and you read what Asriel had said about why he was in Metropolis, which makes no sense. I will not allow for that. Well, for, again, like we mentioned this last time, he's wearing the wrong costume. Uh, Especially, especially in terms of the mask, his characterization is completely wrong. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, I sure like to push your be- buttons, Batman. You know, yeah. when I really killed you in Night's End. Yeah, like, we're buddies <laughs> now, right? I mean, it's... I was <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't make any more broken back references, you know? know. Which it was wrong, too. Like, I mean, hell, Batman's costume's wrong. He was wearing the yellow oval by this point. Whatever. That doesn't honestly matter. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't want. I'm not going to be that energetic in criticizing this because it didn't really leave that much impression for me. It reads like a like a lame '90s comic in that everyone's carrying guns and they're all over over because it God, this is a Wildstorm character, so of course they are. But yeah. it, it, it's so like almost over the top that it it becomes uninteresting, and the artwork does not help it at all because Philip Tan was such a great artist for this book. I don't know why they drug Rick Leonardi away from the Batgirl comic to write to illustrate this. Yeah. I mean, I like Leonardo at the best of times, but he has passed his prime. He had no business doing this comic. I don't understand. And I don't really understand, too, how we go from the end of um, issue number one until they're on the air. I mean, it's just... Well, if you remember, Telos was, we'll Telos was shifting everybody into the different worlds to fight. Because uh, if you read Convergence, uh, the, the, the Earth 2 heroes are like, you, you won't, you're not going to be able to make people fight. But so Telos was actually reality shifting, so that's why that happened. This is basically a video game then, because like, they're all like different levels. Yeah, it's, pretty much. It's uh, you know, the Marvel versus Capcom of DC Comics. I, I don't really have it. I don't. I don't really think that there is any need for us to continue talking about this book. I think we are. <laughs> I think I think our 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 thoughts are on the are on the uh, on the record here. So let's just give it the ratings and move on. Okay. Like, okay, so, so like, um, I'll give it a two out of five better ranks, and that's the same, uh, score I reviewed Batgirl number two, but like, I hate that more. This one was just kind of like just throwaway and kind of useless. I, I, I don't have much strong, many strong feelings for or against it. I'm gonna keep it as what I reviewed on the website as a one out of five better ranks. <laughs> yeah, Josh Paul has given it a one out of five in both website form and once again on the comic cast. Um, I'm going to give it a two out of five batarangs, and that's going to leave its its final uh, final thing at two out of five batarangs. I, I I don't believe that this book was uh, was was the highlight of the of the week. Farewell, Jean Paul. We'll never see you again. <laughs> and, that, and the worst part is, we'll probably literally never see Jean Paul Valley again. So he is out of here. That's the end of our in depth conversations on the books. <laughs> oh yes, but. <laughs> To be totally honest, I think we might have a better time talking about some of the spotlight books here. Um, Josh Paul, you reviewed 
Convergent 5 and Convergent 6 for the website. Um, I've noticed that you had much different ratings for these two books. Why don't you tell us a little bit about them and, and, and what you thought of them? Okay, well, with Convergence number 5, if you remember, with Convergence number 4, we ended on the uh, cliffhanger that Demos was, was going to possibly release Brainiac from the uh, orb that he was put in in Future's End. That didn't happen. And that really ticks me off because Brainiac was the hook for Convergence. Uh, I I can go on and on and on about that. And uh, when it comes to what happens in Convergence number five, Deimos is doing things and all the heroes are basically just standing around watching him do things. So nothing is happening. And, you know, by the end of the book, I literally wanted to slam my head between my laptop fold because we literally moved nowhere from issues one through three, finally almost got somewhere with with, uh, issue four, and issue five just pulled the rug right back underneath uh, our feet on that one. So I gave uh, Convergence number five, a one out of uh, five batarangs. I, I was n- not pulling any punches in my review, and you can definitely read that on the website. Well, you might want to be uh, careful, Josh Paul. It sounds like you're doing a lot of self-harm to yourself this week over reading comic books. So we have you sl- That's a very low threshold of pain when it comes to reading comic books. Yeah, I mean, we, we've slammed our head against the wall, and now you're trying to kill yourself with a laptop cord. You, <laughs> you may want to look at a new hobby. So uh, let's, let's see about Convergence number six, then. Convergence number six, I feel like we're finally getting somewhere. Uh, even if that, you know, destination is murky at best, uh, we open up and we finally get the new 52, uh, in, in on the action and they, finally, we're, we're not sure exactly where it is that, that they are because obviously Bruce Wayne is still Batman. It, It can't be after future's end. And it looks like the Blood Moon is uh, finally, you know, pushing its way into our uh, our universe here, the, or the New 52 universe, uh, as it were. What Demos wants to do is rule the uh, heroes, just like Telos wanted to rule the heroes. And he's pitted them against each other. And... Uh, you know, uh, we've, we have some really good moments with Superman rallying all the troops and all, since all the domes are down and all of the cities are basically back in their corners, they're all starting to come together and realize, hey, you're a Flash. Oh, look, another Flash. We must be friends because we're Flashes and Superman's doing the same thing and we get the pre-New 52 Superman rallying the troops and saying we have to take the fight to this Demos character. And once they do, Demos has pretty much all of the villains on his side, and we're being set up for one hell of a fight, hopefully. And one one thing that I found really, you know, confusing is the Kingdom Come Superman and Wonder Woman were on the side of Demos as opposed to the side of Good. So it's going to be interesting to find out what happens uh, when, uh, you know, Issue number seven comes out, uh, but the way that Superman rallied the troops in the, in uh, this book was pristine. It was absolutely what you'd expect of our Superman, 
the, the Superman that everybody has said that they've been missing. So it's been a hard road traveled, but I really think that we're finally going to get somewhere. And I mean, this main series had all the potential in the world. Uh, Jeff King, who so far, as I've seen, really has never written a comic book before. He kind of t- decided to take, you know, all of his favorite things about comics, maybe when he was younger, and put them into a book. And even though they don't appeal to everyone, hopefully he brings it back around. So I'm going to go ahead and give this one a four out of five uh, batterings. But I want to end with this metaphor. This this issue was a mile above the previous one, but so far Convergence, you know, has been t- nothing short of taking all of your favorite heroes from every single era, putting them in an oil drum and lighting a match. Sure, it looks pretty and it might keep you warm for a short time, but stuff is burning. <laughs> oh God! Well, I, 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 I will say that I thought Convergence Six was much better than, than Convergence Five. Um, but I, I think that overall, I'm questionable on, on exactly where the main story is going to end up with only two issues left to wrap it up. But now, actually, I'm really curious about this one. Convergence Batgirl number two. Don, you reviewed it for the website, and I saw your ranking and read your review. Give us some insight into this issue. You don't want to hear my thoughts on this. Well, okay, on the, off, on the off chance that you do, uh, it's just I don't, I'm not mad at Elisa Whitney in writing this comic. You know, I I, I, looked, I I did some I did some reconnaissance on her, and you know, she seemed excited about writing it. Um, I don't know why, because she's not written for DC besides some Sandman stuff. I mean, she, she thought uh, Stephanie's last name was Bond for God's sake at one point. But my point is that like she's clearly in the dark when writing these characters. She was kind of given like you know a high school notebook on uh, uh full of notes on them, and the 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 effect is just it's just not what fans want to see, in my opinion. It, it just makes me realize that there are, there is more to our favorite characters than just seeing them. We want to see them and recognize them and for them to be, you know, not portrayed badly. I said, that's all there really is to it. Like, it's, it's worse than the last issue. Um, I mean, like, you know, the whole point is, like, you know, Stephanie sure does suck, despite the fact that she's been around for 20 years and has been trained by Batman. She still does suck. Like, it just doesn't make any sense for the character or the per personal history. Uh, the way that the, the, the Danny Ma is kind of lame, I think. Um, Cassandra's wildly out of character to the point to being rather unlikable. She really is, yeah. Like, I don't know why, I, I don't know why, like, people, I get that, like, the idea of her, like, you know, a silent ninja character lends one to, lends the idea, like, oh, well, I guess she, she's, she's not very nice or whatever, but that's just, like, do your research, please. And, like, there's this, like, kind of, like, contrived scene at the end where, like, um, Tim and Stephanie try to get it on, which is not, uh, whatever, but, like, on, to me, it, it, like, considering, like, their personal turbulent relationship, like it feels very, very uh, like uh, contrived. It's like, well, I guess we better get, get get back together because that's a happy ending. So, which I, I suppose is nice, but it feels completely unearned. So, like, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever see these characters again. <laughs> but uh, it was just like I was just really kind of to get through it, and uh, it was not very good. No, I'm sorry. It was a painful read. A painful read. It was, I don't know if it was – no, the, I thought the first one was, was – the first one offended me more, but like like they were written a bit more recognizably. This one, they were written far off the left field, and because I was always used to it, like I, I, it didn't, the, hit, the hit didn't hurt as much, but I still rated it lower. Uh, kind of a mix of emotions, but um, not two out of five veterans. It just wasn't 
it just was not what people were wanting for uh, Cascade and Stephanie Brown to return. And um, it is a shame, and I just wish that, like, DC had not inflicted this uh, uh, this penance on uh, Quitney and just given it to Brian K. Miller or Kyle Higgins or um, anybody who actually were familiar with the characters. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. At least, you know, cast it and try to eat another household animal in this. <laughs> they gave it to her for it. Oh, we, we brought you a, a gift, you know, uh, you know, like a dribble with, with a, an apple in her mouth. Here, your fork. Well, the, there was just so <laughs> much time spent on talking and feeling bad about ourselves and emo crap. Yes, it it was it was like watching nine hundred two one zero. You know. It, I would argue watching 90210 would be a better experience. Um, (laughs) But uh, if this is kind of like what we said about John Paul Valley, if this is the last time we see Cass Kane, that is not cool with me. Uh, The next one we have is Convergence Nightwing and Oracle number two. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Someone reviewed this one for the website and gave it four out of five. Of course you did. And I was just saying, did you guys get to read this one? Do you have any thoughts on this one? Oh, yeah, I read it. How can I not read it? Um, It was okay. Um, It's interesting that, like, like, these two Simone issues. I, mean, I felt like the last three things I've read from Simone have fairly been like pretty solid and not 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 offensive. I actually liked her uh, take on Cassandra and Stephanie a lot better than Quitney's. And um, with this, the subject at hand, it was nice. It was nice seeing like you know Oracle go to town. I think that there are times where Simone's a bit too much of a fan of Oracle that like she's kind of written to be a bit of a Mary Sue. But in this one, that didn't come off as much. I feel. Because uh, there's a whole thing in the last issue where it's like, you know, I started fighting them 10 minutes ago. I just didn't tell Nightwing for no reason. But, like, with this one, my my favorite part was when they get married, and for no reason, Oracle has, like, a cybernetic wedding dress. Yes. I thought that was just hilarious. Like, you know what? Whatever. <laughs> it was it was a fun a fun issue. Jeff, Paul, did you read it? Yes, I did. Uh, I mean, it, that the fight scenes were just amazing, I thought. I mean, it's, it's some of the most brutal stuff that we've seen with – Dick Grayson in that Nightwing costume since the, you know, before Batman R.I.P. That was really fun. Uh, Obviously, you know, we so wanted this payoff of Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon finally, you know, getting their their just desserts when it comes to getting married. And I I can't give it a higher praise than, you know, for the five veterans. Um, The next one would be Convergence Harley Quinn number two. Uh, Gary reviewed it for the website. He gave this one four out of five batterings as well. Maybe we're getting to the the good books uh, for these past couple weeks. I, I did enjoy this issue, not nearly as much as I did Harley Quinn number one, um, but this was a good issue. Very much again a Gotham City Sirens ending. Um, did you guys get to read this one? Yes, I did. I loved every minute of it. Uh, Har- old school Harley Quinn running around with Captain Carrot. It was just—it was like watching a cartoon. It was—it was like, oh, I—I I, I just can't speak more highly of it. It was beautiful. And here's the one that I think will be a hit with with these two gentlemen. If if last episode or the episode before last is any indication, that is convergence. The question number two. Ryan reviewed it for the website and then gave this one four out of five batterings. I know you guys both loved the first episode of the question. What did you think about the second one? I thought it was great. It was—it was another, you know. Uh, unfortunately, my uh, my prediction of there maybe not being a Harvey Dent did not come true, but it, it all added up to being you know exactly what you would want in uh, an ending for those characters. So I, I I give it another five out of five batterings. 
And in Convergence, Catwoman number two, reviewed by Jim on the website, who gave it four out of five batterings. Um, I like this one because this was the only time that I can remember in Convergence where we saw what may be a meaningful death, which is Catwoman was killed in this, and this was obviously not the current new 52 Catwoman. This is our... Wait, 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 wait. The traditional which purple and black. So she was, what, pre-crisis? Catwoman or crisis? Purple and black. post-crisis, uh, post-crisis. zero hour. Yeah. Post- what happened to her? She gets shot in the chest by, by, uh, by one of the, the people in Gotham City, uh, kind of goes cattywampus here, and, uh... Batman, she, you know, her and Batman are supposed to fight, uh, and ends up they, they end up not fighting, and uh, the the crowd kind of goes nuts and says, you know, hey, you got we got to kill this guy to survive, and they try to shoot Batman, and she jumps in front of it and gets shot in the heart and dies, and so the the closing scene of this book, is, well, yeah, the closing scene of this book is Batman holding Batman sobbing, <laughs> basically holding Selena's dead body. Um, it was shocking. It was absolutely shocking. <laughs> I did not see that coming. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it was, you know, it, it actually kind of paid off some of the convergence hype where uh, a, a character, even one not of modern continuity, absolutely got killed. Um, like I said, Jim gave it four out of five, and I give it four out of five just for the fact that someone got killed. So <laughs> you sadist, sir! Well, you masochist. Well, it's it's supposed to be a, it's supposed to be a two month event, and this is the first person that got whacked uh, of any meaningful. Uh, uh, it, it's true. It's true. I, I, I would give it a four out of five as well. Um, the next to last book we're covering is Convergence Suicide Squad number ten. Gary reviewed this one and gave it three out of five. This is my least favorite Convergence title. Let's put it like that. Um, and finally, this is a special request from Josh Paul. Although not a book we would normally cover, Convergence Superman number two was out, which involved the characters during Flashpoint. So Flashpoint. Uh, Superman and uh, Lois Lane and Thomas Wayne Batman. Uh, Josh Paul, you had some things you wanted to say about this, so go ahead. Well, not only just Convergence Superman number two, but the entire series of Convergence Superman was like seeing an old friend, hanging out with an old friend. This is the Superman that we miss. This is the Superman that we want. It was such a beautiful story that Superman met the Flashpoint Batman, was able to tell him that his son was, you know, a great man. And Thomas Wayne letting them use the cave in order to, you know, deliver Lois as his baby. And the Flashpoint Superman, who, you know, is obviously the skinny, frail guy, shaving Lois because she was having her baby and rushing him to the cave. Everything about that book is what DC pre-New 52 is all about, and this is what, this is the quality of writing that everybody was hoping for when it came to these tie-ins. Some were hit and miss, some were bang on, and this was one of them. And why is that? Because Dan Jurgens wrote it, a guy who's familiar with the character. That And that's why, you know, the question was so good because Greg Rucka wrote it. That's why the Titans are so good because uh, Wolfman is writing it. Uh, we can just go on and on about those books, but, you know, not to get off on a tangent, Superman, if you haven't read it, read it. You will not be disappointed. And I think that that's something that we are going to talk about a little more in depth next week is when the event is over. And we don't have a lot of single issues to cover two weeks from now when we do the next Convergence cast. I think that's something we're going to cover a little bit is what characters and how do we feel this overall went. I'm not willing to say it yet, but I do think there is a lot to be said there 
of putting the right creator on the title. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you put someone on that understands the characters, I mean, we've had a couple issues where clearly the person writing it, uh, Stephanie Brown, the Batgirl issue, especially Shadow of the Bat with John Paul Violet, they just don't know who the characters are. Um, right. They barely know who the characters are supposed to look like. Um, so I, I think that that could be could be the problem. But I did I did read this and I, I did think it was it was quite good. So that will be all of our spotlight books for the month. Uh, we have listener feedback. First one is from John Mitzepick, who is was back. Stella was back on the podcast. So he was back, and he said, congrats to Stella. She luckily ended up being right after all. Scott Snyder in DC actually did kill off Bruce Wayne again. Sure they did. Yeah. I'm not sure why Batman couldn't have just been injured during that Joker battle, but it would be more than likely to be a cheesy way he returns from his presumed death. But clearly DC Comics have been having a little bit of an, a quote-unquote, identity crisis. Since the new 52. Hopefully DC will get it together before the end of 2015. In the meantime, I hope that Dustin is prepared to be seeing a lot more of the Harper Rowe character and Scott Snyder's upcoming Batman issues. Um, well, John, I can tell you this. I think that you'll, you'll find that Dustin's view on Harper Rowe has softened tremendously over Eternal. Um, I No doubt that we'll be seeing all of the Scott Snyder characters... Um, in his upcoming run, Scott does like to showcase his own, own characters. That's for sure. Um, as far as uh, them having identity crisis, crisis since the beginning of the New 52, I think that is, you know, partially true. And I don't think that there's anybody on this podcast that would disagree the fact that sooner or later, Bruce Wayne will be back in the bat suit again. Well, let me just make a, a small point on that, though. You know, they have definitely had identity crisis and what exactly they want to do with the character of Batman. Scott Snyder took this book over in 2011. Before he came to this book, that same year, Dick Grayson was Batman for 36 issues. If you add that to the 40 issues of Volume 2 that have been released, plus the 10 more or so that will be released uh, in between now and uh, by the time Bruce is back, that brings us to 86 issues and only 42 out of those issues, Bruce Wayne has been Batman in Batman. And I think that that's far too many issues for a book's actual hero to be out of his own book, no matter how amazing it was for Dick Grayson to be under the mask or how amazing it might be for Dick, or it might be for Jim Gordon to be under the mask. I don't have an issue with, with any of it, to be honest. As long as the stories are good, I, the person who's under the mask is inconsequential to me. Uh, we also got from, I hope I said this right, Adil S. Adil S. Um, I'm a big fan of your podcast and website. I discovered it in December 2014, and I've followed and listened to every episode since. I just want to leave a quick comment regarding your review of Batman number 40, especially pertaining to the last note Batman left for Alfred saying, Ha! Huh. If you go back to Batman number 17, the final issue of Death of the Family, Batman is having a conversation with a bedridden, recovering Alfred, and he states that there is a strange, harmless, radioactive isotope material in the, in the toxin Joker used on him and the whole Bat family. On the final page, <laughs> Batman's computer diagnostic on the Joker toxin identifies it as Hahanium, an element with the designation, designation HA. 
The purpose of that element is never really explained, and at the time it could be interpreted as the Joker simply trolling Batman after the event as it was a harmless addition to the toxin. However, after the conclusion of Endgame, I have a feeling that it is not a coincidence that Bruce left the note and that perhaps relate to how he, and by extension, the Joker could return. Perhaps Bruce had a discussion with Alfred off-page after Death of the Family about the significance of the element and gave him protocols to follow should he ever leave that note. That might explain why Alfred offers an explanation that is overly sentimental and a way to direct everyone, including his allies, away from the protocols designed to secure his return. That's probably a far-fetched explanation, and there's probably a better one available that relates to the coincidence of the appearance of both the word ha, but I do think that it's likely that the appearance of that word at the end of both arcs and the context they appeared in is not an accident. And I will say that I don't have a better theory than yours, so yours is good with me. I do think that the ha will be in some way, you know, involved going forward, but I'm not really sure what it is. What about you guys? You guys got any thoughts on the ha note? Well, I mean, that's as good as theory as any. I mean, I understand that, you know, last time that we podcasted, uh, I had said that it was Bruce on the crutches with uh, Duke in the Robin jacket. And I, I only questioned why they would show that exact scene again in the new fifth or, or in the free comic book day. Uh, issue if that wasn't them it, it, that's, that just doesn't make any sense to me so I think Scott Snyder might have been lying when he said no that's not them but that is an excellent point by her and I would not be surprised if that was correct yeah I, I could see that there being something somewhere involved in that uh, then Terry uh, wrote in hey guys another great episode I'm really liking the commentary on the conversion stuff and I'm waiting to comment on this issue specifically until we discover where each title is heading in their second issues I do have thoughts, though, about the discussion on Batman number 40. I've been thinking of, about this a lot, particularly about how and when we see Bruce come back to being Batman. I don't think that Snyder would leave things completely wide open where he wants to leave the book. But either way, I think he has already told us the easiest way for Bruce to come back and don the cow again. I'll have to review the issues to remind myself about all the specifics. But remember that this is Snyder's Bruce's slash Batman who develops the idea to clone himself so he can be going on Batman into perpetuity as seen in Future Zone. I also think that this maybe is a hint as to where Snyder has planned, or at least potentially planned, for the return of Bruce because he has a lot of his own obsession with the concepts of death, morality, and immortality, and how several of his Batman stories have been specifically aimed at asking these questions. Snyder has said repeatedly that Endgame was all about the Joker telling Batman, I offered you the chance to be immortal, and when you refused me, so now I'm going to be the immortal one and underscore your own failings and mortality. However, if this was meant to be the point Joker was trying to get across, what better way for Batman to triumph over that than by cloning himself and literally existing forever as both Bruce and Batman? This is also a decent explanation for how both Batman and the Joker could have actually literally died in that cave in number 40 and yet come back to life without undoing that specific situation. Anyway, it's just a theory, and my theories have often proved to be wrong, but this thought seems to be characteristic of the kind of story that Snyder would tell. Keep up the good work, everyone. Um, Terry, I am not the one to ever shoot holes in theories that uh, I don't have better ones for. We have seen Snyder really enjoy the cloning issues with the future's end issues that happen in the future, um, what do you guys think about the clone Batman theory? You think that they've got the uh, the gall to bring him back as simply a clone of Bruce Wayne? Uh, no, <laughs> they don't have a lot of things to, that, that it would take to do that story. Yeah. One, I 
one, I am not convinced that Future's End is a thing anymore because even though Tim is in the future, it sounds like that's an alternate timeline. Because the way that I read Future's End, it was that it whatever Tim did to go back and fix what it needed to be fixed worked. But when he went back to the future, brother, I had a protocol that would still make that future that and that timeline stick. So I do not believe that the clone theory holds any water at this point. I wouldn't put it past Snyder to do this, uh, but I don't think we'll end up with a clone of Batman. So with the end of that, that is all of our reaction from our last episode. A lot of people had some stuff to say about Batman number 40, uh, and no doubt about it, it was probably one of the most controversial issues of Batman that had been out in quite some time. Well, guys, that is going to be the end of this week's episode. It's going to be a short episode. There wasn't a whole lot out there for us to discuss either comic news or reviews this week, uh, but I would like to ask everyone to please go over to the website and check out everything we have to offer there. We have a wide variety of podcasts including the uh, Bat Fans podcast, which Josh Paul, I believe they were discussing an article that you wrote over there, right? Yes, uh, I wrote an article uh, based on the Endgame arc uh, and it was titled, Is It Time to uh, Take the Reins Away from Snyder? And the guys over at the Bat Fans uh, podcast had a respectful conversation about it, and they had alluded to, uh, in hindsight, maybe asking me to come on their uh, podcast, and I just want them to let them know that I would love to come on their podcast, and thank you for mentioning my article and having such kind words for me, even though we disagree on some of the points. And we have lots of other podcasts to listen to as well. We have the Batman Universe podcast, which still, of course, comes out every month. Batgirl Oracle with Stella on it. And several Robin podcasts, which seem to be hugely popular over there, as, long, as well as the new Bruce Wayne's World podcast, which is the newest podcast on TVU. Uh, that one is an adult content-related podcast. So, with that, everyone, please check out the website. Go to the Facebook group to discuss this and everything else with other Bat fans. And with that, that's it for this week. The next podcast will actually only be one week away, as we'll be doing a special edition covering Batman Earth 1 Volume 2. So you'll get the, the comic cast for three Fridays in a row. With that, this is Ed. This is Don. And I'm Josh Ball. Thanks, and have a great day.